You're now listening to episode 28 of the Real Estate CPA Podcast. Your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here, we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. Brennan Hole and Thomas Castelli here to discuss Opportunity Zones and Opportunity Funds, arguably the largest and most ambitious tax incentive program ever. For those of our listeners who don't already know, Opportunity Zones are a community development program established by Congress in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 to encourage long-term investments in low-income communities nationwide. The Opportunity Zones program provides a tax incentive for investors to reinvest their unrealized capital gains into opportunity funds. We'll discuss the tax benefits of investing in opportunity funds for passive investors, those who will roll over their capital gains, and we'll also get into the requirements for syndicators and developers who are looking to start their own funds. If you're looking for a guide on this topic, something that you can use for reference, you can grab our guide to opportunity funds right on the front page of the realestatecpa.com. Before we jump right into today's episode, we want to remind you about our virtual workshops. They are not a webinar, but rather our virtual workshops are a highly interactive experience that puts you in a room with our tax strategists as well as fellow real estate investors. We will discuss a topic for the first 15 to 20 minutes and then open the room up for questions. This is the perfect opportunity to get answers to those real estate tax and accounting questions that you've been dying to ask, while at the same time discovering what other real estate investors are asking. You could sign up for our virtual workshops by visiting therealestatecpa.com backslash virtual dash workshop or by following the link in the show notes below. And without further ado, let's jump right into today's episode. We kick it off with what is an opportunity zone? So an opportunity zone, there's 8,700 of them in the United States. They're basically economically distressed areas that state governors selected, submitted to Treasury, and then Treasury made that final selection and pushed these out. But there's 8,700 of them. So an opportunity zone is a zone that is economically distressed and has been approved for cash injection to benefit investors for that cash injection. So there's a lot of economically distressed areas across the United States that I'm sure would qualify as an opportunity zone, but simply investing in one of those areas will not get you any of the tax benefits that investing in an opportunity zone would. So if you're interested in finding any of these opportunity zones, you can just Google IRS opportunity zones and it'll, it'll pull up a, an FAQ page, a frequently asked questions page. If you click a link on that page, you'll then be able to download a spreadsheet of all 8,700 opportunity zones. They have a census track number. So we're getting a lot of questions like, well, is the entire city an opportunity zone? And no, that's not necessarily true, but it's a census track number and there's 8,700 of them. And you can type those numbers in and see exactly uh, where those zones are in your geographic location. And there's also, um, if you Google, Google it, you could Google opportunity zone map and there's gonna be a map. There's a few interactive maps out there that will show you exactly where they are. And, you know, believe it or not, uh, some of the opportunity zones out there uh, may, be, it may be an area you're already investing in or you're already looking at. Or, and it's not all totally economically distressed. I mean, some of our clients have already found opportunity zones 
in gentrified areas. So when you're looking at an investment deal, just take a look and make sure it's not an opportunity zone or make sure it is an opportunity zone. Um, we definitely want to know. And like Brendan had mentioned before, you cannot simply invest in an opportunity zone and get the tax benefits. You have to use a vehicle. This vehicle is called an opportunity fund. Opportunity fund. And it has a lot of really sweet tax benefits attached to it. Probably among the best tax benefits that I'm aware of, even with uh, past regulation. So yeah, it's awesome. So when you invest in an opportunity fund and you hold for five years, there's tax benefits. Then if you hold for seven years, so two more years, there's more tax benefits. Then if you hold for 10 years, there's even more tax benefits. But I'll let Thomas talk about that. All right. So if you invest in the opportunity fund for five years, you receive a 10% stepped up basis in the capital gain that you deferred. So what does that mean? Let's just say that you had a capital gain of $100,000 that you deferred into an opportunity fund, held it for five years. Your basis in that capital gain is now going to be $90,000. So you're only going to pay taxes on that $90,000. Hold it for another two years. So for a total of seven years, and you'll now be at a 15% stepped up. You'll now be paying taxes on only 85% of that gain. Now, there's a few key dates around this. Um, in order to fully realize this, you need to make the investment in the opportunity zone by the end of 2019. So to, to fully take advantage of the opportunity zone investment and get that 15% step up, you need to hold it for seven years. And that date expires on 12-31-2026. So, yeah. so if, you, if it expires on 2026, then you can do the math backwards and realize that's how we came up with 2019. So you have to invest by 2019 to get the five-year step up and the seven-year step up before 2026 comes about. And it's important to know that even if you leave your assets in the fund, in 2026, you still have to recognize the capital gain that is in that fund. So you still have to pay tax in 2026 on that capital gain. Yeah. So just really quick, just to recap on that, you need to invest in the opportunity fund by December 31st, 2019 to fully take advantage of that seven-year hold by the end of 2026, uh, where you're going to have to recognize that capital gain, regardless of whether or not you continue holding the fund. Now, if you do continue holding the fund, for 10 years. Go back to the example about the $100,000. If you invest that $100,000, now 10 years pass and that investment's now worth $150,000. So you have a $50,000 capital gain. That $50,000 capital gain will now be exempt from taxes. And we keep talking about capital gain, right? But I don't think that we actually explained how to invest in one of these funds. So the beautiful thing about opportunity funds here is that, yeah, you get a stepped up basis five years. Yeah, you get a stepped up basis in seven years. And yeah, in 10 years, any additional appreciation on top of your investment, any additional appreciation in the fund itself, that's all tax-free when you liquidate. But the beauty here is that when, when we're talking about stepped-up basis, what we really mean is you use capital gain proceeds to invest in these opportunity funds. So if you have Apple stock, for instance, you own Apple stock, and you've got a big capital gain in Apple stock, maybe you have a $100,000 capital gain, you can sell Apple stock and take the Apple stock capital gain portion of the proceeds. And, and what I mean by that is if my total investment in Apple stock is worth 150K, but 100K is my capital gain and 50K is my basis, when I sell Apple stock, I can take my 50K basis back and I can roll my 100K of capital gain into one of these opportunity funds. That's what I mean when I say you roll the capital gain portion of your sale proceeds into opportunity funds. 
So I can defer this $100,000 capital gain from stock holdings. It does not have to be real estate to real estate. That's a 1031 exchange. These are not 1031 exchanges. I just have to be holding a capital asset for investment purposes, and I can liquidate that asset, move the capital gains into an opportunity fund, allows me to rebalance my portfolio, get some real estate exposure while not paying tax on my capital gains. And then I can let that capital gain sit in the fund for up to 10 years. You can, I'm sure you can go longer than 10 years, but 10 years is when the tax benefits kind of max out, so to speak. But if I roll $100,000 of capital gain into an opportunity fund, these are partnerships, my basis in the fund is $0 because I rolled in capital gains. I did not roll in any cold, hard cash <laughs> that I've earned and paid taxes on, right? So I've rolled, I've rolled in capital gains. My basis in the fund is $0, meaning that if I turn around and sell it tomorrow, I still pay tax on 100K of capital gains. But that's what we mean when we say your 100K capital gains, it's, you're going to get a stepped up basis after five years and then again after seven years because you're going to go from a $0 basis to 10% of whatever the capital gain was. So I'm going from $0 to $10,000 basis in my example, meaning that if I would sell it at that point, I only have 90K of capital gains that I have to pay taxes on. And then if I hold for an additional two years, it's 15%. So now my, my basis goes to $15,000. And if I sell at that point, I only pay 85K. And I, I would have to recognize that 85K regardless in 2026. That's going to be true for everybody across the entire country. But yeah, I just think that's important to explain it. And what type of assets can we invest in opportunity funds? You could invest any type of capital asset. So you can roll over the capital gains from any capital asset, whether it be real estate, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, et cetera. So uh, that's where it differs from a 1031 exchange. In a 1031 exchange, it has to be real estate. Thanks to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, they inserted it has to be real property. And also, and just to make another comparison to 1031s, 1031, you have to roll over your entire sales proceeds. This is just the capital gain. However, you do have 180 days from the sale of that capital asset to roll over that gain into the fund. Now, when it comes to what you can actually invest in the opportunity fund, you can invest in either businesses, real estate, a number of different things. And that's when we're going to focus on the real estate side of things, but that's when things get a little bit more complex. And real quick, before we jump into that, I just wanted to throw out there, because I know a lot of our clients are real estate investors. They invest in all these syndications and everything. You can roll proceeds from partnership interest. So proceeds from your syndications, you can roll those into opportunity funds as well. So let's say that one of your syndicates that you're invested in, they liquidate uh, and by, by the end of 2019, they liquidate. You can take the capital gain portion from that liquidation, roll it into an opportunity fund. So really kind of cool thing that you can do there. But again, as Thomas mentioned, it is a 180-day window. That timeline starts the day that that liquidation occurs. Absolutely. So... Now, just kind of shifting gears, right? So if you as the investor, as a limited partner, as a passive investor, you want to invest in an opportunity fund, that's your benefits. Now, what happens if you're the syndicator? What are the challenges on that side? What do you have to do to qualify for an opportunity fund? And on the real estate side of things, there's two different ways you can qualify. The first is you, have to, you can either do a ground-up development, meaning you buy a plot of land, you build the ground up. So the, the property has to originate with the fund. Or if you buy a property with an existing building on it, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to at least double the base of the building. So let's just take an example. You buy a, a property that's worth $1,200,000. It's determined that the land is worth $200,000. So what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to double the base of the property. So you have to put a million dollars of CapEx into that property to 
qualify for the opportunity fund. So you can't just go buy any asset in an opportunity zone and just paint it and call it a day. Uh, you have to put in a significant amount of work to it, depending on the opportunity zone. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be zones out there where you can buy a property for $25,000 and put 25K into it, significantly renovate it and call it a day. But this is a challenge for some people. So it's something you need to know if you're going to start up the fund. Yeah. So what that means though, is that that substantial improvement component basically means that it's going to be, these opportunity funds are going to be development heavy. There's no way to hit that substantial improvement without buying like vacant land or yeah, or vacant land that you're building something on. So that's another aspect of it too. The, the use of the property can start with the fund, right? So I could buy vacant land and build a property, rent it out, and that qualifies. But the other side of the coin is the substantial improvement portion. So I can buy an existing building. Yeah, I have to double that building basis. And there's a 30-month window to do that in. So just understand that it's not like investing in a syndication where we're buying a B-class multifamily property that's 75% occupied and requires some light rehab. We're going to turn the units kind of slowly as we go. It's not like that. It's, it's, a, it's a development-heavy uh, investment opportunity. So when you're going to go ahead and, and create this opportunity fund, you can self-certify using a form. The form is going to be called 8996, currently as of this recording in December 2018, it's in its draft stage. So you're going to want to keep an eye out for that, make sure that your CPAs are keeping an eye out for that. And then when it comes to the investment side of things, how do you defer that capital gain? Some of you guys may be wondering that. You're going to make an election deferral on your tax return. So all you have to do is let your CPA know, hey, look, you know, I'm deferring this capital gains, investing in an opportunity fund. They'll go ahead and handle that for you, making that deferral. Now, uh, just one thing wanted to touch on here. A lot of people get really excited about the tax benefits of the opportunity fund. And one thing to consider is you have to still consider the fundamentals of the market you're investing in, the fundamentals of the deal that you're investing in. You know, does the market have strong population growth? Is it a diversified economy? What other you know, in the opportunity zone itself, what other activities are going on? Is there a thousand builders in the opportunity zone who are going to take advantage of all these properties and have a bunch of beautiful properties that people could live in, but there's no jobs being developed? There's no businesses coming to the area. So fundamentals still count when investing in opportunity zones. And funny enough, you, you, you heard this on, on next week's podcast when, with our guest. You know, he mentions that you should look at the opportunity zone investment as if it were any other investment, does it still make sense? And if it still makes sense without the tax benefits, then it has strong fundamentals and it's an investment you should consider. And that's key too, is without the tax benefits, does it make sense? Now, a lot of our clients are, are all real estate investors. They're used to three, five, seven-year hold periods, right? So an opportunity fund to maximize the tax benefits, you have to hold for 10 years. 10 years is a long time, especially a long time to give your money to somebody else to have them kind of run with it. Uh, so you, see, you have to be comfortable with that sort of risk. And that's a lot for people to stomach. So there is an extended time period. Now, if you're not comfortable with that extended time period, you know, I've, I've heard people kind of saying, hey, you know what? I'm not going to invest in an opportunity fund, but I will go buy property in an opportunity zone because I know that the funds are going to come in. They're going to inject a lot of cash. And I can sell in three to five years and you know, double my, my asset price as a result of just this appreciation coming into the area, this demand coming into the area. Uh, so I, we, we thought that that was a kind of an interesting take of, you know what, forget the tax benefits or I don't have capital gains to roll over, but I still want to jump on this opportunity, no pun intended, and invest in real estate in an area 
that has a substantial chance of increasing in value. And, you know, a lot of questions people ask us about this are when the term opportunity fund comes into play, a lot of people tend to think equity fund or an actual fund structure. The reality is you can have an opportunity fund for a single asset. You know, you could just buy a property, put it in a partnership or a corporation, uh, do what you're going to do to it, hold it for 10 years and get rid of it. Or, you know, you could have an actual fund structure where you have multiple properties going on. And there's a lot of unknowns about opportunity funds. No one's, there's been no tax court cases on it so far. We only have proposed regulations. We don't have final regulations. But a lot of people ask, you know, if you sold the asset, could you still keep the fund going? So from the, the way we understand it is if you have the fund, you could sell an asset within the fund. But as long as you retain the capital in the fund and keep the capital moving, you'll be able to uh, continue to reap these tax benefits. Yeah, exactly. So as Thomas mentioned, we are only in proposed reg stage. Uh, we'll do another podcast whenever we get the final regulations so that we can kind of go over those. So you know, now that we went through what an opportunity zone is, what an opportunity fund is, we cleared all that up. There's still a lot of unanswered questions. Again, we're still in the proposed regulation stage. So these are not final regulations. One of them that a few clients have actually asked me over the recent days have been whether or not you can do a cash out refinance and then distribute that income to the investors and have it still not count as a return of their capital gain. And you know, after reading numerous parts of the partnership taxation and, and law, I've come to the conclusion that it would not count as a redistribution of your capital gains. You would still have your capital gains within it. It is just a distribution of capital. And the basis in the partnership itself does not affect your deferral of the capital gain. Right. And to kind of clarify that, the way that partnership taxation works is when you put like $50,000 into a partnership, your basis is normally $50,000. But with an opportunity fund, when you put $50,000 into an opportunity fund, you're rolling over capital gains. So your basis is $0. So if you draw any money out, you do have tax. But these funds have debt, right? So depending on how they structure their debt, it could be recourse or non-recourse, and that will affect your basis. So you could theoretically invest in one of these funds with the $50,000. Your basis would be zero. That fund takes on debt. Maybe your allocation of that debt is worth $100,000. Your basis is now $100,000. You can take distributions uh, of your basis and drive it back down to zero. So you could take up to 100K of distributions. That's how partnership taxation works at a very high level. Um, so pay attention to your fund documentation to understand how they are going to be treating debt and whether you will be allocated any portion of the fund's debt. And if you will, uh, then your basis will increase as well. And you can take those distributions tax-free without having to worry about capital gains or anything like that. Another question that we have is, what is the tax treatment going to be for any gains from interim sales or events over the course of the fund's investment cycle? So I'm invested in a fund, and the fund buys property, then sells property. What actually happens to those gains while we're holding the, uh, the investment in the fund? How is that actually going to be treated, especially if I have to hold for 10 years? Uh, so still, even though the proposed guidance did provide a lot of guidance, enough for all these funds to kind of pull the trigger, green light their operations, it still leaves a lot of unanswered questions. We've touched on two. There's still a couple others out there. Um, and we'll just have to wait on final guidance before we know for sure. And if you guys want to learn more about opportunity funds, go ahead and check out our opportunity fund white paper located on the homepage of the realestatecpa.com. So just head on over to the realestatecpa.com. Go ahead and grab that guide. 
Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes and with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.